and open in prayer, and then we'll get started. Father, I thank you for this day. We rejoice, for this is the day that you have made, regardless of what's been happening today, regardless of what we've been through. We are here in your presence, in your house, to hear your word, Father. We thank you that this is the reason why we're alive. This is the reason why we do what we do. This is the reason why we come, is to receive life. I thank you that this word will fall on ears that are open and receiving to the word of the kingdom. I thank you that uh, these people have ears to hear, eyes to see, to understand what will be spoken this evening. I thank you that the enemy will have no place in this service tonight. Uh, We rebuke him. He has no uh, authority. He has no uh, dominion here. We're going to have clear minds, open hearts, ready to receive the word of God. We're going to cast our cares Everything that's been going on, everything that's been pressing us today, we're going to lay it down and we're going to focus on your word. And we're going to leave here 100% different. The rest of our evening will be different. The rest of our week will be different. The rest of our lives will be different because of the impartation that will go forth in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Um, You know, we've been talking about kingdom mind renewal. And uh, we, like I said, you know, we'll be in this subject for a little bit and um, has it been good? Have you all been enjoying it? Yeah. We're, we're getting a new mentality. We're getting a new mindset on some things. And um, today I, I'm going to deviate just a little bit, but you are going to have an opportunity tonight to put into practice everything you've been hearing for the last several weeks. Um, I, I have seen some things recently, not only in this body, but in St. Augustine and just in the church in general, um, You know, last week we talked about the Word reveals who you are. The Word reveals who your Father is. And the Word reveals who your enemy is. And so with these things, given these things that um, the Word shows us, we need to know how to operate in some things based upon our position in Christ, our position in the kingdom, uh, who our Father is, how He loves us, the things and the benefits that He wants us to have as being citizens in his kingdom, we need to start walking in some of these things. And I'm seeing some attacks. You've got to understand that a, a church like this and, and what we've been teaching specifically, the number one thing that we do is, con- is confront mentalities, confront mindsets, mindsets. If you don't confront something, it leads you to compromise. And the church today has been led in much compromise, um, they haven't known it, but we've been at the negotiating table with the enemy, and we've been given and taken instead of just standing our ground and saying, no, this is our place, this is what we owe, this is who we are, and we will have nothing less. Uh, you know, I can use Christian, or I can use the schools, for example. You know, back in the 60s when they came up and said they wanted to take God out of the schools, and the church said, well, that's okay, we'll, um, we'll just open up some Christian schools. But the problem with that is, is we own the whole earth, and we own every school, and we should have God in every school. And so now we're seeing our schools going down the drain. We're seeing them having to put up metal detectors, and guns are being brought in, and we've got fights, and we've got kids that aren't even graduating, and they're going to jail before they're even uh, you know, out of, out of high school themselves. We see these things happening. Uh, prayer is quickly being taken out of our nation. I mean, 10 years ago, we have a tragic, most tragic thing that ever happens to this uh, country, 9-11. 
and you got the next de- the next day you couldn't shut the church down. You couldn't get people out of the church. You got people praying. You got people searching God. God, why? Uh, you know, help us in this time of need. We need to come together. Unity. God bless America. Blah blah blah. And ten years later, at the 9/11 memorial, you can't even pray. This is your nation. This is your country. And I'll tell you right now that this country was founded on godly principles. This country was founded on biblical principles. But people, you got to understand that in our country today, we do not value leadership. We do not value correction. In fact, we are uh, taught to question authority, to uh, always come up with the defense against leadership. Always try to find a way to do it your way. And um, in the church, this has crept in now. And we've got uh, denominations. I'll tell you where denominations come from is compromise. Is people say, well, you believe it the way you want to believe it. And I'll believe it the way I believe it. And we'll agree to disagree. But the sad part about that is the Bible is very clear. And the Bible is very black and white. And there is no gray area. What we have found is people who don't want to become studiers of the word and doers of the word. And so to justify their lifestyles because they can't live up according to the word, they say, well, this is really what it means. No, we need to stick to what the word says, period. And this church will always preach that. This church will always teach that. I will do no different. Anybody that comes in here and preaches or teaches will do no different. We will give you the full counsel of the word. I mean, Paul held that uh, to the highest, saying, I uh, am thankful that I do not withhold any of the word from you, all of it. And, you know, I've made this clear, and, and you hear me say these things uh, time after time. Why? Because we're, we're a beginning church, and I understand that. I want you to get to know me. I want you to get to know what this church is about. And I want you to know that we're going to preach the word, um, and I'm not concerned necessarily um, about who it may drive away in one sense because the word needs to be preached. And churches these days are backing away from what the word really says and compromising on what the word really says for the sake of just keeping people in their churches and for the sake of uh, looking successful. And the problem is, is they have tied up their churches and mortgages and buildings and uh, expenses and staff and all this creative stuff that they've gone out. And so now they're literally relying on the people to keep the church running. I want to rely on the word of God to keep the the church running. And so that's why we're doing mind renewal. Because I want you to, when you hear the word, when you read the word, when you study the word, if you hear someone else preaching the word, you need to be able to say, no, I need to go back and study that out for myself. I need to know what the word actually says about it. I don't want to get someone's opinion Because an opinion, uh, you oftentimes will find that an opinion is just to uh, push the person forward. That's what a lot of times, when when people come come to you with an opinion on something, it's usually because, well, you know, this is how I've done it before, or this would really help me. But we're not about opinions in the kingdom of God, because the only word that stands is the word of God is the king's word. So that's what we want to preach, and that's what we want to teach. And so in that, uh, we confront mindsets. 
Because if I don't confront it, then I'm going to find myself compromising it. And the way that you think and the way, the way that our minds work is it's so quick and so easy to uh, get locked in to a mindset and it will control you. It, it's so dangerous. Um, Aaron, could you come up here for me real quick? I need your help with something. I'm going to spell out some words. And I just want you to... I, all I want you to do is just say the word that I spell. Okay? Okay. Very simple. Just I'm just going to spell the word. And they're words. And you, just, you, t- you tell me what I'm spelling. M-C-D-O-N... A-L-D-S. McDonald's. McDonald's. Very good. Very good. <clears throat> you have passed. I got more. Uh, M-A-C-I-N-T-O-S-H. Macintosh. Macintosh. Very good. Uh, let's see. M-C-S-H-E-R-R-Y. McSherry, okay, very good. It's someone's last name that I know. <clears throat> McSherry, it's still a word, I promise. Um, M-A-C-H-I-N-E. Oh, man, you blew it. You blew it. You're good. You're good. He's too good. He just blew my, he just blew my little demonstration. That's all right. He knew that one. He's heard it before. All right, I called the wrong person. I, w- I wasn't listening then. I, there was someone else in here I was supposed to trip up with that one. Basically, what, a, what happens a lot of times in that demonstration, and it's still useful, a lot of times because I put him in a thought process of Mac, words that begin with Mac, a lot of times I'll spell machine, but they will say Mac Hine or McHenney. They will get in that, they'll quickly get in that thought process. He, he steered it, he got around it. But nine times out of, the t- nine times out of ten, uh, when I do that to someone, they say Mac Hine. Okay? And it's not Mac Hine, it's machine. What am I trying to show you? It's that quick to get your mind going in a certain direction and get your mind in a thought process, even if it's incorrect. And so a lot of us, we've been hearing things for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, and we're stuck in these things. And we've never bothered to ask, is that the truth? We've never bothered to ask, what does the word say about it? We've never bothered to ask, uh, you know, is that, is that really how I'm supposed to live, or is this really who my God is? And it's because we've been relying on man-made traditions, We've been looking at past experiences. We've been looking at experiences with uh, coworkers or family members. Instead of going to the Word of God and saying, no, this is what the Word... Because bottom line, whatever happened to Aunt Sue, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, then there's something there that was wrong. There was something there that didn't take place. And so we need to identify in the Word... What needs to happen? What do we need to do? What do we need to correct for the word to work in my life? Tonight, the goal, tonight the area of ministry that I want to hit on 
is healing. God's word on healing. Um, This is probably one of the most traditional uh, topics that is off in church today. And I want you to know what God's word says about your healing, about your ability to pray for others and see them healed. What is healing today? Is it still applicable? Was that just a thing of the past? Does God still desire to heal? Who does God desire to heal? What needs to happen so I can receive my healing? Because right now we're seeing a lot of uh, things taking place in our physical bodies that's wearing us down. And you are a representative of the kingdom of God. I told my staff this. Yesterday I had several meetings, and, and last night I had my last staff meeting with our children's uh, staff meeting in, in St. Augustine. <clears throat> and I told them, you know, obviously we're working the transition. My wife and I are now out, and Pastor Earl and Marcy are, are taking that up until the new couple comes in. Um, and I told them last night, I said, when people see the children's ministry, when they see how strong and secure you are, that will tell them how strong and secure the ministry is. If you're faltering, if you're not really confident in the new leaders, if you're not really sure about this transition, if you're not really sure about the ministry and if it's going to hold up, you've just given off, you have just represented the entire ministry to that one person. And that is who we are in this earth. People look at you, not listen to you, look at you to know, is your God real? Because we can talk a lot of stuff, but when it comes down to it, we got to start living some stuff. And we got to start seeing some stuff applied in our lives. And we got to start seeing the word actually working in our lives. Because they'll hear you, but now, next thing they're looking for, back it up. Show me that it works. We've all been there. We've all been there. Depending on when you were saved and when you came into the kingdom and when you started getting in the word for yourself, you, will, you wanted to know, is this thing for real? Is this the real deal? Is, do I need to be living for this God? Do I need to be studying this word? Is this thing still true? Is this thing still, still active today? Why should I believe it? We were all there. And so... You represent the kingdom of God. So when people look to see how strong the kingdom is and how alive and active the kingdom is and is your God really as great and almighty as you say he is, then they're going to be looking for it in your life. They're going to be looking for it uh, in your workplace. They're going to be looking for it in your physical body. Okay? Now, you've got to understand we're all human. And we're in this earth as Male and female, okay? We don't have the limitless, uh, you know, the limitless life that a spirit has. But we were given dominion. We were given authority in this earth. And so we need to start exercising that. And for some of you, this may be brand new. For some of you, uh, you may have heard this before. But I want every single person in here to remain teachable. One of the saddest and really most dangerous things about our society today is you can't correct anybody. You can't tell anybody, maybe it's this way. Let's look at it this way. 
And if you just don't see it, well then, but I'm going to give you so many verses today. Um, you know, I almost say just jot them down and don't even really worry about turning to them. Look up on the screen. Um, if you can see it, I know it's way out there in Jericho, but um, if, if you can see it over there, and um, be sure and jot them down. And these are ones you're going to be wanting to reference. These are ones you're going to be wanting to go back. Um, you're going to want to get this CD. You're going to want to go online and listen to this again because this covers everybody. There's not one person in here that doesn't need healing or doesn't deal with healing or a physical ailment at some point in their body, Amen. period. And so we're going to identify some things. And so um, we're obviously going to go to the Word. And so I want you to uh, stay with us. We'll do this as quickly as we can. Um, but this is very important that we do this uh, because it's going to help us represent the kingdom of God the way it should be. Um, first thing I want to do, Kirk, I didn't put this in there, but Genesis 1.26. Let's go ahead and flash that up there. <clears throat> it's a little bit of review, but it's good. Paul was always bringing things to people's remembrance. He was always be- repeating things. and, and bring, you, you know there's things you forget. There's things that you need to hear again. So Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. Whose image? Our image. That's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. According to our likeness. That means with our character and our nature. Let them, let who? Them. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth. Everyone say all. All of the earth. Over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We've said this before, that when Jesus placed Adam and Eve on this planet, he placed them here as representatives of his kingdom in the earth, to rule and reign as he would rule it, but he's not ruling it. We're ruling it. We have the dominion. We have the authority. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve sinned. They disobeyed what God said not to do. Do not eat of the fruit. They ate of the fruit, disobeyed. Because they uh, could not submit to authority, they lost authority. So now, for the next several thousand years, We have mankind striving to get back in a position of authority, but is unable to. Throughout the entire Old Testament, mankind is trying to get back to a position of ruling and reigning on the earth, but they can't. There were people that were chosen to do this, kings and priests and prophets, those three. And the Spirit of God had to come on them individually. We have... Uh, people such as Gideon, Spirit of the Lord came upon him. People such as Samson, Spirit of the Lord came upon him, gave him that strength. David as a king, Samuel as a prophet. All throughout the Old Testament, you have these specific people, but not on the entire nation, not on the entire group of people. Not until one man came back, his name is Jesus, came back in the form of man, died on the cross to give man back that authority. So you can now rule and reign in this life. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose again. That's why he's in heaven and not still here doing those things. Okay? 
So we are now back in a position of authority. We're not going to see it like Adam and Eve saw it because there is sin in the earth. The difference between us and Adam and Eve is they didn't have sin in the earth that they had to deal with before they sinned. They allowed sin. We didn't get rid of the sin. We just gave us back authority. So this means that in the earth, things still die. Things still decay. Uh, things still uh, fall apart or, or on a descent, descending uh, trail. But in our lives, we can see the kingdom of God because Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Which means now it starts in the heart of man and comes out. If you don't allow the kingdom to take place in your life and in your heart, then you will not see the kingdom take place around you. Things, things that you affect, things that you touch, things you put your hand to, they will not be affected by the kingdom if you do not allow the kingdom inside you first. Okay? So this is where we're at today. Jesus has gone down the cross. Now, I want to look at Jesus' ministry because we all know that Jesus healed, right? Jesus healed many people. And we're going to see just exactly how many people here. Let's start in Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4, verse 23. says, And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the what? The kingdom, and healing all. Everyone say all. All kinds of sickness and all, everyone say all, all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria. They brought to him all, say all, all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. So how many? Was anybody missed? No. Let's go to the next one. Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 16. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. He cast out the spirits with the word, and he healed how many? All who were sick. That it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Isaiah, by Isaiah the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Uh, next one. Matthew chapter 12. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew from there. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them. How many? All. He healed them all. And the last one I want to look at here, Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 40. You got it there? But when Jesus knew it, no, when the sun was setting, all those who had, who had any All those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So right here we have seen uh, four different passages that state that Jesus healed all, everyone. When they brought to him sick people, he never ran into an obstacle. He never ran into a wall. He never ran into one that he couldn't heal. I just can't get this one over, so... Not you, not you, yes you, not you. No, God is no respecter of persons. And if he's going to heal one, he's going to heal all. Okay? The word heal simply means to save or deliver. That's simply what it means. So if you're healed um, from cancer, you were delivered from cancer. But any sickness and any disease can be taken back to one person that is the enemy, Satan. Satan. 
He is the one that produces this. Again, when sin entered, death entered. And these are all different types of death. Any, just about any sickness left untouched will lead you to death. I mean, it's, and even in just the form of death, it's tearing down your body. I mean, it may be something as simple as the flu, but it's tearing down your body. Even, I mean, it's causing death to something. You've got cells dying. You've got all kinds of things that even within your body, you're losing. Okay? So we see here that Jesus, when he was here on the earth during his ministry, healed them all. Okay? Now, we want to look at what Jesus said about two people that he prayed for or that were healed. Because there was a very important ingredient that they had. I want us to look at Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, verse 22. 11.22 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. This can be properly translated, Have the God kind of faith. Or have the faith of God. Have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you what? When you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus is simply talking about faith. We all know this term. Faith is simply a belief system. Faith is what you believe. Okay? So when you have faith in God, you have a belief system on his word, who God is, what he does, uh, how he operates, all these different type of things. This is faith. Okay? So he's talking about faith. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, when are you supposed to believe it? When you pray. It doesn't say, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you receive it, believe that you receive it. So what we're identifying here is that faith latches on to something that is not in the natural realm. You've got to understand that there is an unseen realm and a seen realm. We know this. The unseen realm is your spirit realm, is God's spirit realm. And there are things that take place in this unseen seen realm that need to be transferred to the seen realm. And the transfer takes place not when you see it. The transfer takes place when you pray. When you pray asking God, believe that you receive them and you will have them. So let's look at Jesus' Jesus's encounters with a few people here. Let's look at uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Luke chapter 8, verse 43. Now, a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who had spent all her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any, came from behind and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her flow of blood stopped. And Jesus said, Who touched me? When all denied it, Peter and those with him said, Master, the multitudes throng you, impress you, and you say, Who touched me? But Jesus said, somebody touched me, for I perceived power going out of me. Now, just to give you the picture, Jesus is walking. He's actually on his way to help take care of 
a man named Jairus, whose daughter is on her deathbed. So he's on his way to go pray for this man's daughter. Obviously, you, I mean, those of you that are parents, if your daughter's or child is on their deathbed, you are very persistent. Let's get there now. Being thronged by people, people all around them. I mean, they're probably just moving like this, just trying to get through the crowd. Surrounded by people. And this one woman said to herself, she, she spoke to herself, <clears throat> Is this the right passage? It's probably, it's probably the one in Mark that actually says it. But in, in Mark, the passage actually reads that she said to herself, if I can just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Faith. She's actually got an issue in her body that doesn't even allow her to be in public. Faith will cause you to do some pretty stupid things sometimes in the natural. Okay? But you've got you to understand that we don't operate according to this world. We operate according to the kingdom. Okay? So she's operating according to a kingdom standard here. She's reaching out, putting her natural self at harm to get healing in her body. And so she literally told herself, she spoke to herself and said, if I could just touch his clothes. So she gets in there. She presses through. She touches his garment. It was immediately healed. But Jesus knew. And you got to think, you got multitudes of people that are touching him. In fact, Peter brings it up and says, are you crazy? You're surrounded by people. Are, of course you're being touched. Let's keep going. And he says, but no, somebody touched me because somebody drew on the power that's within me. There was a different kind of touch that took place. There was a touch in the unseen realm that took place, not just in the natural realm. And so he stops And he says, who touched me? Verse 47. Now when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling. And falling down before him, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. And he said to her, daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your faith has made you well. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, you got verse 19 up there? Can we back up to 11? He's at 11, great. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not found any who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Jesus said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith. Has made you well. Once again, we're seeing uh, two instances now that Jesus has said, Your faith has made you well. Not my touch has made you well. Not my presence has made you well. Your faith. Okay? One more. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. 
Mark chapter 10, uh, verse 46. Mark 10, verse 46. Now they came to Jericho, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, a great multitude, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. They called the blind man, saying to him, Be of good cheer, rise, he is calling you. Throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? It's funny, Jesus is talking to a blind man and says, What do you want me to do? What's he trying to do? Activate his faith. He's trying to get him to vocalize what he needs done. The blind man said to him, Rabbi, that I may receive my sight. Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you whole. Three separate instances here that Jesus has told somebody, it was your faith that brought you healing. It was your faith that made you whole. It was your faith that got you the healing in your body that you needed. Faith is so important. Now, the problem that we've kind of run into in the church is there is this thing out there that says that we can't know God's will. Or God's will is this secret and he'll let us know bits and pieces, but we can't know the whole of it. But we know what we need to know to receive healing. Period. Because I have a problem with people pinning stuff on my God my creator, my father, that the word actually says he's incapable of doing. I have a problem with that. Because you don't know my God. Remember last week we said, don't let the world tell you who your father is. Don't let the world tell you who you are. You go to the word. You go to the Bible. The Bible identifies who you are. Now you are a new creature in Christ. Old things have passed away. The world only sees your old things. That's all they see. When they talk about you, when they call you, when they uh, talk about what you're capable of doing, they're looking at your old things. But God says, forget the old things. I'm looking at your future. I'm looking at why I placed you on this earth. I'm looking at your purpose in the earth. Okay? But I got a problem with the world telling us who our God is and what he does by taking a few scriptures out of context. Context is huge. Studying the word of God, you don't just pull a scripture out. Look at the scripture before it. Look at the scripture after it. Look at the chapter before it. Look at the chapter after it. Know uh, where Jesus was when he spoke that. Know what city, county, uh, region he was in. Know what time of ministry he was in. We got to look at these things. Don't just pull a scripture out. I mean, one of the biggest ones that is pulled out today comes from a man that already verified his weakness. Comes from a man in the Old Testament, actually the oldest book in the entire Testament. A man named Job made a statement The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. The Lord gives. The Lord does not take away. 
That is not his job description. He's got no business taking anything away from us, what he's given to us. The problem is, is Job pulled pulled himself out from under God's covering because he said, the thing that I feared the most. The man's in fear. The man's in worry. God can't help you if you're in fear. God can't help you when you're in worry. Let's correct the fear issue. Let's correct the anxiety issue, and then let's get our life straight. But see, what we've had is people uh, in the church that have not taken up responsibility to walk in some things for themselves. I'm telling you, the church should be answering all the world's problems. Not having the same problems the world is and sitting in a room with people in the world, twiddling our thumbs, saying... I don't know. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. That's not my God. No, let's get in the Word. Let's find out what the Word says about our situation. We need to start looking inward. There's some things that we need to correct. There's some things that we need to get in alignment with. And I'm going to show you four things that will quickly get you your healing that we need to line up in. Because the Word says it will happen. But we've got people in the church that want to justify their lifestyle and justify their weaknesses by spinning the word around or putting something on God that he's really not capable of doing. And so uh, we've got terms going out such as uh, God is testing me or God is, God's got me in this trial. Trials and tribulations will come. Jesus said this himself. And then the very next statement he makes is, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. He said, in this life you will have trials, temptations, tribulations. But then he quickly follows it up. People stop there. We stop there. There's more to the verse. And he says, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So why aren't we of good cheer? Because we get mellowed down in our trial and our tribulation and our temptation. Look, we've all been there. I'm not saying that I've been there and said, yeah, I just conquered it and, you know, I'm 100% perfect. We've all been there. You get in it and you just can't see yourself out of it. But that's when you go to the Word. There's nothing that gives me more strength than going to the Word. There's no amount of prayer. There's no amount of praying in the Holy Spirit that gives me more strength than going to the Word because the Word is my daily bread. If I'm hungry, I eat food, naturally speaking. But when our spirit man gets hungry or is weak, we don't feed it. We look at everything that will tear it down. There are many of us that have been to doctor's offices. And I'll tell you right now, this church has nothing against doctors. I have nothing against medicine. I have nothing against it at all. You will not be able to walk out of here and say, well, Pastor Mark said we don't have to go to the doctor. We can just believe God in faith and just stand on his word and don't have to go to the doctor to get a checkup. No, you go do those things. But you know what's greater than a doctor's report? Is the word. Every doctor has a limitation. 
My God has zero limitations. The word says that with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. All things. You will go, there will come a point where a doctor will have no answer. I've been in those rooms myself. No answer. There's a reason why they call a doctor's work practice. You are a guinea pig. It wasn't even there. That's my God. That's my God. That's your God. Ready to do it. I'm telling you. And there's numerous stories. And this, this, and, and, and the funny thing is, is we get to miracles, but then, you know, we believe in miracles. We believe God heals. We believe God saves. We believe God does, God does these things, but then it hits us, and it's like, I... You know, he did it for them. I don't. He is no respecter of persons. And if he did it 2,000 years ago, let's go ahead and go there. Hebrews. Hebrews 13. Let's skip over there because I'm there. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Here it is. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday. Today and forever. So anybody ever tries to tell you that healing stuff that was back then, that was for Jesus. False. Jesus, God, is still in the healing business today. You cannot refute it. Well, that was just for Jesus. Well, uh, we can go to Acts. And you can just about see apostles and disciples doing every single thing that Jesus did. Jesus healed the sick. His disciples healed the sick. Uh, Jesus raised the dead. His disciples raised the dead. In fact, Paul was preaching one time, had a young man fall out of a window from a second story, die, runs downstairs, raised him from the dead. And then went right back to preaching. These are common things happening in the church in the book of Acts. Uh, Jesus cast out demons. Showed authority over unclean spirits. Disciples, apostles did it. Paul and Silas got thrown in jail and beaten. Because they cast, because they set free a demon possessed girl. Now the disciples are exactly, are, the, are our example. Because here's what Jesus did. Jesus did not come to this earth, live the life he did, preach the message he did, do the works he did, just and then leave and say, okay, I showed you what heaven looks like. Can't wait to see you. Jesus was a leader. The greatest leader. And great leaders reproduce themselves. One of our biggest things in Anchor Faith Church and in leadership is reproduce yourself. Yes. 
You are a lousy leader. If you lead, leave, and the thing falls apart. Amen. You're lousy. Let's get someone in there that can lead, delegate, show somebody else how it's done. But see, this day and age, you got layoffs happening. Uh, you got people losing jobs and eliminating positions. And so you got leaders that are literally, they don't want to share anything because if somebody else knows how to do it, that means I can get cut. But that's not leadership. Leadership is I ought to be able to get someone else to run this thing. So if I have to step out, we don't skip a beat. I just spent the last year and a half doing that with Treasure Island in St. Augustine. And I now have three people that are going to be able to run that thing over the next 90 days until the new pastors get there. And that thing will not skip a beat. And I can put full confidence in them. I can know that they will run it as if I were there running it myself. That's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. Jesus said, I am simply showing you what to do. I am showing you what heaven looks like. What's God's will? Let's look at God's will. Matthew chapter 6. Because people want to, people throw that around. I, I don't know God's will. I don't know what God's will is. I don't, I don't know what he really wants to do. It's very simple. Matthew chapter 6. Start in verse 9. Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is where? Where? You mean earth is supposed to look like heaven? And we throw that term around real loose. Heaven on earth. Oh, that would be heaven on earth. We're supposed to be living heaven on earth. Again, I'm not erasing trials, temptations, tribulations. But be of good cheer. I've already overcome the world. And he said that before he died on the cross. Because you know who Jesus was? Jesus was Jesus for 33 years. Before Jesus was the word of God. The first time you see Jesus come into existence is Genesis chapter 1 when God said, let there be light. And there was what? And there was light. That's who Jesus is. Don't reduce Jesus to a man that lives on this earth for 33 years. Because John chapter 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word became flesh, was God. Was with God. And we, we see Jesus as a man that operated on this earth for 33 years. Why could he say, I've overcome the world? And he hadn't even died on the cross yet. Because his word is what overcomes the world. That's why we don't look at the world. That's why you want to live in victory? Live according to the word. You want to live knowing no defeat? Live according to the word. 
I'm here to empower people. I'm here to equip people. I'm not here to give you an excuse to uh, deal and live with the things that are happening in our bodies or happening in our workplaces or happening in our families. I'm not here to do that. If that's what you're looking for, this isn't the place. I'm here to equip people and empower people to overcome in this life, in this world. The world is looking for you to answer their questions. The world is looking for you, the church. They don't know it, but they are. Because they'll make fun of you. They'll talk about you. They'll talk about you behind your, behind your back. They'll gossip about you. They'll laugh at you. They'll say, we're going to go to the bar. We're going to go to this club. They'll talk their jokes. But, man, when they go to the doctor and they get that report for cancer and they got six months to live, who are they going to? They going to you because they know you go to church. You are the church. Let me know about this God you've been talking about. Let me know about this Jesus. Let me know about this Bible that helps you overcome in life. Let me know about this because uh, I am about to lose my life. They're going to come to you, Damien, and they're going to say, man, I just got laid off. I don't know what I'm going to do. I got this mortgage. I mean, my kids, I mean, how am I going to put food on the table? And they were talking about you. Oh, you're just that church goer, right? You're just, that doesn't mean anything. He can't even take a joke. But now they want the word. Now they want an answer. The world wants answers, and they don't even know it. But they do know where to go. Isn't it funny how people that don't go to church or even hate church or refute church know what church people look like? Oh, uh, you're one of those. You're one of those holy rollers. You're one of those. How do you know? Did you go to church last week and you learned what we look like? Isn't that amazing? I mean, I may not always know what a Buddhist looks like or I may not always know what uh, someone who studies or practices Islam looks like or, you know, Muslim or whatever, Jehovah's Witness, but they could pick out a church person, and you ain't even looking different. On the outside, I just look just like you. But it's conduct, it's character, it's lifestyle, it's faith, it's the peace you operate in, it's the joy you operate in, it's the, the patience that you have with people when they're getting all over your back. It, it's these things that they're identifying in your life that's saying, yeah, he's different. And they may not like it right now, they may try to avoid it right now, but they know that you've got an answer, and when the time comes, I mean, when a plane's going down, everyone's screaming, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It takes, it takes more work to not believe in God, or that there is a God, than just to, you might as well just go ahead and believe in God. You're racking your brain over here trying to figure out ways that there's not a God. Just go ahead and believe in Him, right? <clears throat> okay. So if faith gets you the healing, if faith makes you whole, if faith gets the uh, wholeness operating in your body, then we need to know what to stay away from to keep it from working or to keep it from, to keep it from not working. And the opposite of faith is doubt. Mm-hmm. Simply that. 
the number one thing that the enemy always brings to a person is doubt. And you know where he brings the doubt? In the spiritual battlefield of your mind. Right here. This is where people lose the battle with cancer. This is where people lose the battle with their finances. This is where the people lose the battle with their unsaved loved ones. This is where people lose the battle in their marriage. Is in their minds. And we're going to hit you know, way more on this in mind renewal, but this is the battlefield. When that serpent came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't just come right out and say, Man, you know that you know that God up there that put you here, he he's a hoax. I mean he's not even the real deal. You shouldn't follow him. He didn't come right out and say that. He twisted one word. Twisted one word. And then he tried to bring up pride. Which is the whole reason why he's down here and not in heaven in the first place. Because he was in heaven. Angel of light called Lucifer. And he rose up and said, I can do it better. I would do it different. I can become higher. And he used the same exact tactic. You know, he's still doing it today. He did it with himself. He did it with Adam and Eve. He did it with Jesus. He said, look, the kingdom message, I'm telling you, it's liberating. It transformed your life. He tried to get Jesus to bow down to him. And he tempted him with all the kingdoms of the world. Not all the religions, all the kingdoms. He said, I'll give you all the kingdoms if you bow to me. And you know why he went to Adam and Eve? Because they were created in the likeness and the image of God. So he knew if they bow to me, That's just like God bowing to me because they're made in his character. They're made in his likeness. They're made in his image. If this man that God has put on the earth as a king to rule and reign on this earth bows to me and gives in to me, then that's like God bowing to me. I mean, if an ambassador of the United States gives in to another country's demands on other other soil, You might as well have President Obama over there giving in. It's the same thing. Okay? When you are an ambassador, when you're a representative, you are acting on the leader's behalf, on the king's behalf. And this is how the enemy operates. And he brings in doubt. Doubt causes fear. Because if you doubt God's word, the only alternative is to go with what the world is giving you. That's it. If I have a doctor's report in front of me, And it's not good. I have two alternatives. Doctor's report, word of God. And if you can get me to doubt the word of God, I'm only left with one alternative. And now I'm relying on man to fix my problem instead of God. Now, does God use man? Yes. Okay? I'm not telling anybody that's going through issues or anything in their bodies or anything in their lives right now to stop going to the doctors and quit your medicine and just believe in God. We've got to build up faith, because faith grows. You're given a measure of faith, 
but you can build up your faith. The Bible says praying in the Spirit, and that's how you build up your most holy faith. Okay? So faith can be strengthened. Faith can be weakened. I'm trying to strengthen your faith tonight. Okay? Strengthening your faith gives you the opportunity to shut down doubt every time. Every time. When you are simply only relying on one alternative, and that is God's word. I believe that God's word is going to see me through this. I believe God's word is true. I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which we just saw that Jesus is the word, which means the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Forever. There will never come a time, we're not going to hit 2015, and God's word runs out and say, okay, it's not true anymore. Now you guys are on your own. Okay? So, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Let's go ahead and look at a few more things here. Um, Well, we saw God's will in Matthew 6, verse 9, heaven on earth. We are to see heaven take place on earth. Is there sickness in heaven? Is there lack in heaven? Is there anxiety in heaven? Worry in heaven? Hurting in heaven? And these things should not be taking place in our lives. We are to bring heaven here. We're to bring heaven to this earth. It happens through us. It happens through man. The kingdom of God is within you. Which means that the peace is within you to give into this world. The joy is in you to give into this world. The healing is within you to give to this world. Okay? This is what we are as ambassadors, as representatives. One more verse that I want to look at there for God's will. John chapter 10. This is probably the most important verse I can give you tonight. John chapter 10. Verse 10. The thief. Who's the thief? The devil. The thief does not come but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. This is Jesus talking. I have come that they may have life and life more abundantly. Anytime the devil tries to get in your brain and tell you that God is putting something on you, you go to this verse and you say, he is incapable of doing that. There must be another reason. There is a thief in this earth. There is an enemy in this earth. You know why he wants to take you out? Because you carry the most important thing on the face of this planet. And when you die, it dies. Period. You carry the gospel of the kingdom. And if your physical body is taken out, you have no access in the earth. When God gave dominion to man... In Genesis 1.26, you know what he just did? He just eliminated all other sources of access in the earth except by man. That's it. That's why Jesus had to come 
as a man. That's why Jesus had to come as a man. God said, I've already locked out any access to the earth. The only way I can get in the earth is through man. He's looking for a man today. Still looking for a man. So you know what? This may sound weird, but God needs you. God needs you. Now, the devil, he uses spirits, and he uses demons to access. But you know what that's called? Illegal access. He's actually breaking the law by entering the earth and doing what he's doing without using a man. But he'll take on man. Satan is not omnipotent like God is. God can see all, be everywhere, know everything. At all times. He knows what's going on right here inside this building. He knows what's going on inside that trucker's brain that's going out on the road right now. He knows what's going on in President Obama's brain, wherever he is, at all times. Satan cannot do that. So God's access in the earth is through you. Once again, the kingdom of God is is within you. If if the enemy gets rid of you, he gets rid of your influence. This is why suicide is the biggest lie and trick of the enemy. Because the number one thing he tries to tell you is nobody cares. You have no influence. It's always about your Life in regards to somebody else. It's not about you're stupid or uh, it's not just about um, you have no worth because your worth is built into your influence in affecting other people's lives. So if the devil can get you to think, if the enemy can get you to think that you have no impact on your children, on your coworkers, on your husband, in your world, and you might as well take yourself out. It's always about you affecting others, and you always affect others, either good or bad. Influence is good or bad. Now, I'm not just talking to adults tonight. This isn't just for adults. You influence people. In fact, teenagers are the number one prime target for suicide. Because he tries to get you before you figure out your influence. Before you figure out who you are. The teenage years are... Mm, I'll have to get on that sometime. It's amazing. It's amazing what the enemy tries to do when you are right in between being your own person but still having to submit to authority. The enemy got a taste of leadership, got a taste of doing it on his own, and ran with it, and got shot down to this earth faster than lightning, Jesus said. And that's where he gets people. Do it yourself. Do it your own way. And what does that sound like? 
That sounds like the American gospel. Right? Do what feels good. Live your life. Life is good. Man, I don't want to do nothing independent of my king. I don't want to do anything on my own. The most dangerous word in the kingdom is independence. Is I can do it myself. I can do it my own way. I can do it. I, I, I. If you look in Isaiah where it talks about Lucifer and his thought processes, there's four eyes, I think. Five. I will do this. I will exalt. I will ascend. I. It's not about you without the king. And you'll find out that he will get you way more influence than you could ever do on your own. And so this is why he wants you sick. Look, when you're sick, you can't influence people. Period. When you're sick, you don't feel like talking to people about how strong your God is. And then we have to come up with reasons why we're sick and why we're battling it. And that's where those, let's just get in the word. Stand on his word and fight this thing through. I'm not saying it will be overnight. I'm saying that we're going to grow in this thing. And we're going to find out our true purpose and our true identity in the kingdom. And that my God would never do anything like that. My God would never put that on me. In fact, he's bringing me life and life more abundantly. That's my God. I'm telling you, it I get livid. I, there's just something that goes off inside me when I hear people pinning stuff on my God that he is not even capable of doing. Amen. And then the other side of that is we give way more credit to the devil than he deserves. Amen. And the reason why this message and what I'm saying tonight is not so highlighted and is not so excitable and people aren't just jumping to buy these CDs is because it puts responsibility on you. Okay? Puts responsibility on us. There is a way we are to live and if we come out from under that, if we don't follow certain things in the word and live according to his word, then things will happen. And it's not because God put it on you, and it's not because the devil got you. Look, there is a place of blessing. There's a place of blessing. And if you come out from that place, you're fair game. And so the devil knows he can't get you if you stay in that blessed place. He can't get you. If you stay in that position and stay in right standing and stay in accordance with the word and abide in the vine and the vine and the vines abiding in you, he knows he can't touch you. But he'll lure you out. He exploits your weaknesses. We all have them. He knows what they are and he markets them. America does this. America knows when to play the beer commercials, where to play the beer commercials. America knows where to play the Mercedes-Benz ads, knows where to play the insurance policy ads, 
They know where to play the workers' compensation ads on daytime TV in between the soap operas because people are off work or sick or can't get work, and so they're at home watching TV. They know where to play. They know where to place the loan cashing places, and they know where to place the check cashing places in the cities. And the devil does the same thing. He finds your weakness, and he pulls on it to get you out from under. That's why I preach what I preach. I've said it before that what I don't preach, what I avoid, what I don't communicate to you is opening up a door for the enemy to get that weakness. If I don't talk to you about your marriages and what a godly marriage looks like and the the, uh, role of the husband and the role of the wife, it gets you in your marriage. If I don't talk about finances and tithing and giving to your church and expecting a harvest and how to reap a harvest, he will get you in your finances. This is what the enemy does. If I don't talk about it, if I don't teach about it, what you don't know will kill you. Hosea 4, verse 6. God said, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Not for a lack of my presence, not for a lack of the anointing, not for a lack of church services, not for a lack of the move of my spirit, for a lack of knowledge. And churches have gotten off on both sides. we got churches that just want to operate in gifts of the Spirit. and just, just Who's got a tongue? Who's got an interpretation? Who's got, who's got a prophecy? Who's got this? Let's just uh, play worship music. Let's teach the Word. There's a time and a place for those things, but people are being destroyed for a lack of knowledge, not for a lack of tongue and interpretation or a lack of prophecy or a, a, a lack of the move of the Spirit. We need more churches that will preach the Word, rightfully divide and discern the Word. That's what we need. we got people that are churchgoers or Christians or you know, carry the label, but they're not living it. And it goes to the leadership. It goes to the pastors. And this church endeavors to preach the word at all costs. One of the number one things that we're finding um, since we've begun preaching the kingdom message itself is opposition just hammers you. You just get hammered. And Pastor Earl and I were talking about it the other day, and, and, and we were saying, you know, I, you know, we really believe that the reason the kingdom message got lost was because of the persecution of the churches. Jesus took on the opposition and the persecution that he took on in his life and in his ministry because he preached about a kingdom. He preached about a government system. That was of another world. That was the most liberating message that he could bring to the earth. That was the message that was missing. For thousands and thousands of years. And because they thought his advancements were political. And because they thought that he was trying to overthrow an earthly government. And because they, they thought that he was trying to set up a, a government that would take over Rome and take over King Herod and take over Jerusalem. They put him to death. I mean, have you, ever asked, have you ever asked the question, why did they kill Jesus? He's a nice man. He's a nice guy. 
healing people, delivering people. I mean, he's casting out demons, setting people free, and they say he's doing that by the power of Satan himself. And Jesus had to come back and say, man, a kingdom divided against itself will not stand. What are you not getting? And because of the miracles, because of the things he was doing, they didn't receive correction. They didn't remain teachable. They didn't rise to the standard that Jesus brought to the earth. And they took him out. They killed him. John chapter 11. After he rose Lazarus from the dead. In fact, Jesus was hiding out before Lazarus' death. And he was far away from where Lazarus was. That's why he didn't go for three days. And it was four days before he raised him up. And... After he raised Lazarus from the dead, they actually sought to kill Lazarus. Read it, John chapter 11. And then right after that is when Jesus pretty much had to go into hiding until the Passover. And that's when he came into Jerusalem, and that's when he got handed over by his own man. Why? Because he's preaching a message that brings opposition and brings persecution. But it is the message. I don't have a problem when people oppose me. Or persecute me for what I'm preaching or for what we're saying. Because Jesus went through it. Paul went through it. Peter went through it. John went. Disciples. And on end. I mean, just about every single one of them was taken out of the earth and didn't even get to die a natural death. We're in a free nation today. But this message brings persecution. This message brings... I mean, we're, we're receiving opposition and persecution from other churches for what I'm telling you today. We take a beating for telling you that God is a good God. He's a king that has your best interest at heart. That he's not just waiting and watching you to, to screw it up so, you, so he can beam down some lightning on you. We take a beating for this. But I preach it anyways, because it's the truth, and the truth will set you free. You want freedom? Get truth. Four things, real quick, that will align you. And this is very basic, I understand that, but uh, I just felt that there was a, a, a mindset I needed to confront and address uh, right out the gate here. Uh, four things, real quick. First thing we need to do. Ask in Jesus' name. When you ask, ask in his name. The power in the name of Jesus is remarkable. I mean, you got demons coming and throwing themselves down at the name of Jesus. Uh, quick passages. John chapter 14. We don't have to put them up. I'm just going to just write them down. You need to reference them. John 14 verses 13 through 14. And chapter 15, verse 16. Ask in Jesus' name. The second one, abide in the word. Look, if you're not in the word, you can't live the word. Reading the word is the most important thing a, a believer could do because this is who you are, who your father is, 
who's out that you're fighting, the power you have, the authority you have. And that's why you've got to teach the whole word. I haven't gone through my Bible and said, okay, that's, I'm not going to ever teach that. Uh, I'm not going to preach that. No, it's all there, and I will hit all of it. Abide in the word. John chapter 15, verse 7. John chapter 15, verse 7. The next one is have faith. Just simply have faith in God. I mean, it's that simple. We have faith. Matthew chapter 21, verse 22. Matthew 21, verse 22. And James chapter 1, verse 6. James chapter 1, verse 6. And the last one is so important. So important. Be righteous. Be righteous. And again, you know, we've, we've hit on that word. It's not a religious term. 